Go ahead and take a seat. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is uh, Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. Glad you could join us on this awesome day. Before we get going, I want to remind you of something. We have an app. Now, it works here. It works here? Yeah. Oh, cool. So it's good to like silence your phone. I just silenced my phone because. But on your app store, look up Common Ground Nevada. And you can download our app. The app is helpful for several reasons. You can do your sermon notes right there. So if you're a note taker, but you don't really want to write the notes or you forgot it, you can just pull this out. Lydia loves doing it. My daughter. Oh, but you're going to do pen today? You, want, you could use my phone if you want. There, okay. Just go to the app. Go to, yeah, there you go. Go to the sermon notes section and you can use it right there. And you can use the app to sign up for all the things we have going on. So if uh, you want your junior hire to be going to camp, you're, you can use the app for that. If you want to connect in some other way, you can use an app for that. I think there was a commercial once upon a time. There's an app for that. Um, we have an app. And so that's there for you if you want to use it. If not, if you're like me also and you like paper, uh, grab the Bible that's in the seat in front of you. We're going to be in Romans today. The table of contents is your friend. It's okay to not know where all the books of the Bible are. Look in the table of contents. You'll find Romans in the New Testament. That's where we're going to be. So have you ever rubbed shoulders, bumped up against, uh, you know, a group of Jesus followers, a group of Christians that, that call each other brother and sister kind of exclusively? Anytime, I, most of the times I have, it feels really weird. I, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, hanging out and it's uh, like Brother Paul did a great job in leading us in, in worship today and we've got Brother Jared back there right now doing the sound, uh, the video and Brother Alex. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times it's like, it's, it's our way of saying, you know, who's in and, and who's out and when I'm around him, it's like, oh, you're going to want me to join your cult. This is kind of weird. But there's other times where I've bumped up against Jesus followers, whether it's at a church conference or at another church or just out and about and realize I love Jesus and you love Jesus. And then they call me brother. And it's like, yeah, that actually feels kind of right. You know, I'm zealous for the Lord. You're zealous for the Lord. And it's not this weird, like inner club thing. It's just we're brothers or we're sisters. And that's what we're going to look at some today is the idea of the church as family is real. And it's, it's very clear in the New Testament and over and over the examples that Paul and other writers use of the church. One is the body. We're going to look at that today. And one is a family, that the church is like a family. Now, if you think about family, think about a family reunion for you. It's a bunch of weird people there, isn't there? I, I mean, you, you get together. My in-laws are here right in the front row. So, but, but you get together in a family reunion, and there's those family members you haven't seen in a while. You're so excited to see them. There's that uncle that doesn't know personal space. Uh, there's, there's the aunt with the wet kisses. There's, there's the, the uncle or cousin that just wants to talk politics or argue about anything possible. But yet, they're still family. They're still family. You love them. You're committed to them. You know, bring that example into the church. We're a family, which means we're not all the same. And sometimes we rub each other the wrong way, but yet we're a family. Turn to Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 12, because we're going to look at Paul talking about the church as a body, the church as a family. 
And then we're actually going to introduce some, some new language we're going to use at Common Ground kind of to help in the process of growing in Christ. Because here's, here's the fact of the New Testament. Every Jesus follower is called to be an active member of a church family. And what I mean is not, not big C church. I mean, the church is every believer everywhere in all time. You know, from A.D. 30 to right now, everybody that's believed in Jesus here in Nevada to Africa to somewhere else, all are part of the church, big C. But every Jesus follower is called to be part of a local church, little C, like this. And here's kind of the cool thing about the church age we're in right now, and especially here in the States, here in this city, there's quite a few churches. And we're all part of Big C Church, but we're also individual churches doing some things a little bit different, but with the ultimate goal being the same, to expand God's kingdom, to bring disciples in, to be family. And so as we look through, I want you to think about that, that we are all called to be active members in a church family. Look at Romans 12. I'm going to start in verse 3. Romans 12, 3 says, For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Lord Jesus Christ, you are here among us this morning. We thank you that uh, as we gather, we can gather expectantly, expecting you to show up. Holy Spirit, expecting you to be here with us because you always are when we gather like this. And we ask that we would have hearts ready to listen to you, that we would have wills ready to say yes to you, whatever that is. God, many of us have come in here this morning with other things on our mind, uh, things we're stressing about, whether it's relationships we're in, uh, maybe it's work we have going on or something. God, I pray that this morning we would feel your peace. We would feel your comfort. God, some of us came in here this morning confused about something, and we need you to teach us. We need you to show us your truth. I pray that this morning you would do that. You would lead us your way. You would show us in your word how you want us to respond in whatever situation that is. We are your people. All we want to do is hear from you and obey you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you notice, there's a lot in this passage talking about spiritual gifts. That's what he begins with. He says, For by the grace given to me, 
And then he goes on and he talks about a grace that's been given. Now, this is not a sermon on spiritual gifts, so sorry if that's what you wanted. Um, we're going to kind of breeze over that part, but spiritual gifts, here's what they are. They are a unique ability given to every Jesus follower at the moment of conversion. Something. You know, and they're given not fully developed, but they're given, and you'll have a natural propensity to something, and you're given that to be used for the good of the body. So he's talking about gifts to be used as members of the body, and, and so he uses that example, the body, a hand, a foot, a knee, and, and if you know, you kind of need all parts of your body. For a while, they, they thought we didn't need the appendix, but we do need the appendix, Kind of like that. You may be in here and be like, we need everybody but that person. Well, guess what? We also need the appendix. Um, although maybe we need to figure out how that piece works and fits. We're all part of the body. But what else has members other than just a body? A family. A family. We use that same language, members of a family. And he actually refers to that here in verse 10 when he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Uh, some of your translations might say, be devoted to one another. Uh, the, the word there, devoted, in, in, those other in those other translations, it's a combination of two words that are both love. One is phileo, friend love, and then one is sorge, familial love. And so that's why ESV translates it this way, love each other with brotherly affection. Very clearly, he's saying, be like family. Love one another like family. And so he's using the example throughout this whole thing of both a body and of a family. And this whole section is purely speaking to Christians in, in the Christian community. That's who he's talking to. After this, he, he then transitions to how we live with the world outside. But right here, he's talking about us as family. Now, this idea of the church as family is not new to Scripture. It's not found in just a few places. Here's a few more examples. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. So leave that up for a minute. I want to point out something here that we also see uh, later in verse 13 where it talks about saints. We're going to see this throughout, but a, a saint isn't what the Catholic Church has said a saint is, who's done a miracle and done these things. A saint is every single Christian. The Bible is very clear that if you have surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord, you are a saint. You're not perfect. In fact, nobody's ever been perfect except for Jesus Christ. But you're actually referred to repeatedly in Scripture as a saint. Uh, we also talk about this as the priesthood of all believers. You do not need somebody to go through to get to God. This is another kind of stumbling block that the Catholic Church has created, that you go to a priest, the priest goes to God. That was Old Testament Jewish law, uh, Mosaic law. Now you have direct access to God. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you. You can read the word and understand it. Now, within the church, there are gifts of teaching, like, like what I might have to help you understand it, but the Holy Spirit's working in all that. But we all are saints. We all have direct access to God. We all are gifted to be used. There is no, you know, professional Christianity as in pastors and, and the people up here and then laity. That's not found in the New Testament. There are leaders, absolutely, there are teachers, but we are all part of the body, all saints, fellow citizens of God's household. What's a household? A family. Next verse is John 1, 12. But as many as received him, these are on the screen, to them he gave the right to become children of God. 
This is also repeated in the New Testament. We are adopted. We are children. Some of us in this room have experienced adoption, and a child who is adopted truly becomes one of the family, no different than, than a, a born child. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Again, very clearly, we're a family. I just bring that out so that you're not sitting there thinking, well, he's just reading into the text. We are truly called a family. This is in your notes. The individuals who make up a local church body are a family. So then, with that in mind, let's go back to our Romans passage and see how we're supposed to operate as a family. And the parallels to a, a nuclear family are very, very clear. Look at verse 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What sticks out as you look at that verse? Um, as we gather, as we are a body, a family, we're supposed to be uh, humble people. The way you look at yourself is in humility, but this verse is really even talking about how we relate to one another. Because if I come in with a humble attitude for me, it's about you. You know, and we may have different grace, different gifting. We may have different faith. And guess what? We come and we have grace for one another because of Christ on the cross. But as a family here, we see we show respect to one another. That's how this works out in the family. We show respect to one another. We don't come in going, I know what's best. I want my way and I want this. Just have you ever had a, a family member that's maybe gotten one of those funks, and they get home, it's like, my way. Well, that's not super pleasant, um, and it's the same within the church family. You know, we're a fairly young church. We've been around a little over three years, and something about a church plant is when you start out, there are people that come that are not happy with wherever else they've been because they haven't been doing what they want. They come, and they go, I know what's best. Let's do it my way, and, and those people don't stay very long often because it's like, well, yeah, enter into the family, become part of the family, and there's humility in that. There's deference to one another. So as a, a family, we are to show respect. But look at that verse. Don't think of yourself more highly, but think with sober judgment. Meaning, think truly about yourself. You are gifted. It's okay to know what you're good at. It's okay if, you know, if I were to come up to you, you know, what are you good at? Nothing. I stink at every. No, you don't. <laughs> what, think, what are you good at? What do you love? Well, I love people. Well, well, there's a place for that. I love kids. I love seeing kids learn. Guess what? There's a place for that. So, so think rightly about yourself with humility among one another because you are gifted. You are special. And it's okay to say, you know what? I think I'm good at this. People have affirmed this in me. And I could do that with a lot of you that I've gotten to know. I see this and this and this. So that's okay, but think rightly about yourself. Now look on to verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, you know, hands, feet, appendix, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So two weeks ago we talked about unity. Not uniformity. That's what this is talking about. We're committed to one another, and here's the hard part about that. We're all different. You're all really weird. 
And that's good. <laughs> we're, we're different. You know, if we, we define normal as just like me, I mean, that's how most of us define normal, right? Well, guess what? Then everybody else is weird, and to everybody else, you're That's okay. We're different. We have different passions. We have different gifting. We have the same foundation, which is Jesus Christ. We have the same measure of truth, which is the Bible. But we're different, and we do different things. And so that's where the ch there's a rub in the church. We all have different parts, and, and you get the really organized person, you know, how could you say it, anal? Um, <laughs> we need those people. And then you get people like me that are kind of just adaptable and like, where are we going? Woohoo! You know, guess what? There can be some rub when it comes to that, because I change things. And the organized people are like, you just changed something. I didn't get a two-week notice that you changed something. But guess what? But we need both, you, you know, and we need to work through that tension as a family, because we'll be most effective. And, and you can throw all the other things in there. Evangelists, they're crazy. <laughs> uh, just go on. Uh, but we're, to get, we're not uniform. But here's the other thing. Look at the last verse in that little section that I read. If you have a gift and you do, what are you supposed to do with it? It says use it. Use it. Some translations say exercise it. You've been given a gift to use it. Not to put on a shelf and go, look what I'm good at. To use it. Use it for the good of one another. This list that we see is not an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. We see gifts several other places in scriptures. And I would actually argue you add them all together and it's still not an exhaustive list. Because these letters were written and handed out. And these different churches, they didn't get every letter. Over time, they, they found their way to, and they had them all like we do now. But this is not an exhaustive list of gifts. You can kind of separate them. They're speaking gifts, and then they're serving gifts, and then among those are many others. There's leadership gifts, uh, but all are important. But whatever it is, whatever your gift is, it's given not for you. In 1 Corinthians, the same author, Paul, he writes it this way. He says, so with yourselves... Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, that is spiritual gifts, that's what that means, you are eager for spiritual gifts, strive to excel in building up the church. So you find what you're good at, you find where you fit, and then your goal with it is to build up the church. Not to get a role, not to find a position for yourself, not to get noticed, uh, not to find the click that you fit in of everybody just like you. The goal is then to build up the church. That's the goal. Or to use it for one another. Now, compare this to a family. A family has many members. In our family, we have six members. Uh, you know, one is a 20-year-old college student, so he's out and about, and yeah, so he's like a half member, I guess. Um, but but we're 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 members, and and as a family, we do it together. Imagine getting together as a family, and one person does all the work. And mothers are like, yeah, that's horrible. Because often, where does it often fall? It falls on, on mothers. Mothers are amazing people. Women are amazing. And they will. They'll do it at everything, and they'll do it amazing. But it works best when all the members are, are doing it. You know, in our, our day and age, often men and women both work. Well, who's going to cook? You better figure that out, or everybody's going to go hungry. You know, and it can be either one, but, but there's roles. All right, who's going to take out the trash? Well, somebody better. Otherwise, it's going to get kind of stinky. You know, if you've got animals like we do, let's make the list. 
All right, who's feeding the horses and feeding the dogs and cleaning up after the dogs and feeding the sugar gliders and cleaning up? At, I mean, you can go through the list. And the cats, who's going to pet the thing? Hopefully not. Somebody else, so it leaves me alone. But, but we all have the, I mean, in a house, if, if half of them or all but one decide, you know what, we're taking the month off. We're just going to sit here. You cook, you clean, you take out the trash and go make some money so that we can pay for the cars. That, that doesn't really work. So as a family, we're all committed to one another. We are given gifts to be used. So what are you good at? Where do you fit? You know, just look at, look at here on a Sunday morning. You know, if you're new here, I'll just tell you, it takes a lot to make this happen in the morning. You know, we've got Alex back there. By the grace given to him, he's moving buttons on audio so you can hear me. I mean, some of you are probably hard of hearing, and so without this working, this would not go so well for you. And then we have the screen up here making these things work. Jared is doing that this morning. It's really important. You know, we want notes so you can follow along, so you can see the main points. That's really important. We have our connections team. You know, we believe that the church is here for those who don't belong to Jesus yet. Otherwise, we'd just be raptured. Meaning, everybody that walks in this door, and you can probably nod to this because you at one point were the, you know, walked through the door at the first time. You walk in with a need. A need for Jesus, because we all have that. A need to connect. Maybe, maybe a real hurt in your life you're looking for. Get, and who's the first person those people see? Whoever's at that door. That is really, really important. That we have people that, that are smiling, that are happy that people are here. If that's you, if you love people, check out that team. What's happening in that room is so important. I mean, when, when Callie and I got married, we felt called to ministry. God said no, basically, to everything we pursued. So we got involved with teaching Sunday school. We loved it. You know, I would still leave here once a month if I could and go over there and do that. That is really important that our kids are growing in Christ. And do you know often, a lot of times, guests will come, they'll drop their kids off there, and they'll leave, and the kids will be like, we got to go back. That is so, and then parents come back and they hear the gospel again. It's awesome. So, so as a family, we're all part of what is happening. And so much happens not in this room. It's not all just on Sunday. We have groups that meet through the week. We have our relationship class that's going on. All of us are part of the family. But here's the point. This is in your notes. As a family, we take responsibility for one another. Again, that goes back to the priesthood of all believers. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility for everybody else in here. I mean, that's a little bit daunting, so not really everybody. That's why we do groups, so we get in relationships with a few, and then we, we kind of have responsibility for one another. So if somebody that you are responsible for, a friend here, they start wandering away from the faith, guess what? you got to go get them. If somebody starts struggling with sin, pursuing sin, you have the responsibility to lovingly grab them by the neck and pull them back to Christ, lovingly. You know, it's not a, I'm holy, you're not, hit them with your Bible, but we have a responsibility for one another. Here's an illustration I've used before. It's been a while, so hopefully you don't remember it. <laughs> but, but I love this picture. So we, I've shared before, we love water, and uh, we're high society, so we have an above-ground round pool. Um, and we have it out on our fake turf. And um, one of our favorite things when it gets warm enough to get in the pool is to get in and, and make a whirlpool. You can do this in the round pool, and you run, and you push the water like this, and you get it going as fast as you can, and then you just kind of float around. Yeah, and it's so much fun to see how fast you can get it going. Here's what happens every time we do it, though. 
We'll get going, and I'll look over, and one kid is just floating. We're like, do your part. Join in. we got to get as fast as we can. And here's Lydia over here going, I'm just going to go for the ride. Or worse, one will grab onto the ladder and just be flapping like this, which totally messes up the whirlpool, meaning we're all part of making it go. That's the church. Now, there, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's a time, times in life where you get knocked down, where maybe you're, you're, you're trying to heal from a, a hurt at church or whatever, where it's okay to lift up your feet and float for a little while. Or maybe to hop on the tube and float around. That. There are times in life where that's okay. But I'll tell you this. Th- those times should be short, where you float, and then pretty soon you pass that tube off to somebody else, and you jump in, and you push, and you make it go. Because guess what? It gets tiring. If I'm the only one doing it, and everybody else is floating, that's happened, not in the church, but in, in the whirlpool. I give up because one person can't do that. Again, that's the picture of the church. We all put our feet down and we go. As a family, we help make it work. We take responsibility for one another. And again, this is not legalism. This is not to build our church common ground because we want to be a big church. This is God's plan for every one of his followers. This is God's plan for those he loves and he wants what's best for you and for me. And what's best for us is that we're committed to a community and part of making it happen on mission, not just hanging out and liking each other, but on mission, because he wants to accomplish some great things. I mean, four baptisms last week, that's what God wants to accomplish in and through us. People finding Christ, growing in Christ, marriages healed, kids growing, being used for him, that's what we want to see, that's what God wants to do, and it takes all of us to be our best. Now, what spirit do we do this in? Because it can become all about doing things and accomplishing, and that can get kind of bleh. So what's the spirit in which we do this family together? Look back at Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Two, word, two love words used in that chapter, in that verse. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the spirit in which we do this, love. Love. Love as a family, meaning we show deference to one another. I mean, in a marriage, love, you know, I love you, you love me, I'm here for you. That's that's a healthy marriage. Not one where the wife is like, I just need my stuff, and the husband's, I need my stuff. Guess what? Here's what happens then. But it's deference to one another. Or as he says it here, we show honor to one another. Now, I'm not super familiar with Japanese culture, but I've seen enough movies to see, you know, when they meet, they bow. And I looked into that a little bit, and, and they have in their culture this idea of they want to outdo one another in showing honor, as in, it's all about you, not about me. So you bow, and the other one then bows deeper, meaning you're better than me, so I'm going to bow deeper. And he's like, no, you're better. So I bow deep. And I guess you just do that until somebody's tired. But, but the, the point is, it's about you. No, it's about you. Or there's a, I don't know what college basketball team. I don't really watch basketball. But there's one team, North Carolina, something like that. I don't know. You could probably tell me. Where they have this thing where whoever scores the basket then points to whoever passed them the ball. You know, as they're running back on defense, they point, they give credit to the assist. You know, whoever, like saying, you could have scored the basket. But you pass it to me, and I scored the basket, so it's about you. And often that person will be like, no, it is about you. I probably would have missed. It, it's, yeah, I mean, but it's, a, it's about you. No, it's about you. That's this honor that he's talking about. It's about you. 
I want you to get the praise, you to get the honor, you to be used, you to find your spot. It's about you. No, it's about you. That's what he's talking about. That's the spirit in which we do this. And you type A personalities that want to accomplish things, this can be hard sometimes because it's not about running people over for the mission. It's going on this mission together, helping one another be all they would be. So here as a family, we are to be humbly committed to one another. Committed to one another. That's what this is talking about. Devoted, love. I'm committed to you. You're committed to me, to one another. Devoted means committed to one another with the affection of a family. Now, by the way, we're talking about affection there. It's, it's a love. It is a feeling, but it only comes from Jesus Christ. It comes as you are abiding in him, as you are walking with him. He then stirs in you a love for his people. There is nothing in the New Testament about a, a Lone Ranger Christian. And you've probably met him. You've probably heard it. Maybe you felt it. I love God, but I don't like his church. Ugh. The church is kind of a messed up place at times. But, you know, if you come and say, I love you, but I, I just don't like your kids. Well, then we're going to have a problem. That, that's the idea. I, I want a relationship with God, but I want nothing to do with the church. No. I mean, we're supposed to be part of one another, a family committed regardless. So we are committed to one another. And guess what? Life's going to happen because you're all messed up. Yeah, I mean, we're all in our different phase of growing in Christ. The Bible calls it sanctification. You're saved, and then there's a process by which you become more like Jesus, and you won't arrive until we're in his presence. But we're all on that journey. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not even close, which means sometimes our flesh is going to rise up, and we're going to hurt one another. We're going to offend one another. You know, I, I like the, the illustration of the dance of the porcupine, where, you know, winter comes, and the porcupine, two of them, they get down in this hole, and it's really cold, and they get close. Well, guess what? They got all these quills. So they, you know, they get in close, and then, boink, you, you know, scoot away. Oh, no, it's cold. We got to get back together. Boink. You know, and it's the dance of the porcupine. That's, that's the tension in church. We all still struggle with our flesh, but yet we're committed to one another. So we poke each other, we wrong each other, and it's like uh, we wrestle with it, and then we come back together, apologize. That's what it means to be committed, devoted. But again, I, I want to point out, it's not just in a, in a community, one another. It is that, but it's going somewhere together. It's the mission that we have to change the world for Christ. To put it more rightly, it's the mission of God changing the world in and through us. He's doing the heavy lifting. Verses 11 through 13 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. There are some active words in there. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in serving this is our relationship with one another. Uh, fervent there means to boil over. We are boiling over, and here in context, with our passion for Jesus, our love for him, which always works out in a love for others. You cannot, John writes this very clearly in John and 1 John, you cannot love God and hate his people. You cannot say, I love God, but I hate you. That's not how it works. We are boiling over in our zeal for Jesus, which means for one another. If you feel like you love Jesus, but you don't like his church, there is a problem, and you need to go talk to Jesus about that. 
You're not where you think you are with him if you're not where you should be with his people. So we boil over with zeal. Again, going out of our way, using our gifting for one another. You know, I, I, I think we got a good example the other day of our different gifting and bents. So, you know, what's your role? Let me ask this. When life happens to somewhere else, or, you know, what is your initial knee-jerk response? And I'm not talking about in your flesh of anger, of selfishness, but I'm talking when God's in it, what is your natural response? Uh, Timothy, if you know Timothy, he leads the FCA in the area. And we recently had a, a young lady die at Douglas High School. And so leading FCA, he, call, he called Callie and I and other pastors and to say, hey, when we get together, there's going to be some need. Will you guys come be part of it? So we go, uh, and here's this room full of high schoolers struggling with a death of one of their friends. Some of them knew her, some of them didn't. And in that, you could see the different responses. You know, so I got together with a, another pastor with a group. And for me, you know, I asked the question, you know, what are you guys feeling? What are you thinking? You know, and, and where is she now? And as they start expressing what they're feeling and thinking, some of them are very wrong. And here's my knee-jerk reaction. I want to give them hope by showing them the truth of Scripture. My gifting is to teach. You know, not to show how much I know, but that they would find hope in Jesus. And so I turned my Bible to 1 Thessalonians, and I shared with them what happens to the believer who dies. Now, I don't know if this girl was. So I didn't really get into that, but I just shared the hope in Christ that... And, and some of the sad faces turned to smiles as we talked about that. The other pastor in the group, different gifting than me. And he went to prayer. You know, let's pray. And that brought comfort. As I looked around the room, there were some just crying with other kids. Th those of you who have grace, maybe you, you don't want to teach them something. You just want to cry with them. Guess what? We need that. We, we need that part. So different responses. How do you respond? Uh, one of the girls in our group, she said, I just want to help this girl's sisters. What can I do to help them? That's a gift of service. Your initial knee-jerk reaction is, how can I enter in and do something to help these people? What is it for you? That's going to tell you a little bit about where you fit. And we're devoted to prayer. Because Jesus is our head. We listen to him. We follow him. No pastor is the head. The group of elders are, are tasked with leadership, but they're not the head. Jesus is the head. And so we are fervent in prayer to bring our needs to him, to listen to him, to let him lead us and guide us. As we wrap this up, we see casual Christianity is not biblical. And as a church, as I mentioned, we want what's best for you. Our job as a church isn't just to, to entertain or to build an audience, a group. That's not our job. Our job is to help you be all God wants you to be and to be used. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we want for you. So we're going to be using some new language to help you and others coming in figure out, you know, where are you in this process? Because you're not going to have all that God wants for you until you are really part of the family. So you got this in your handout. And I want you to look at this. And so here's, here's the words we're going to start using kind of to help in this process. Guest, friend, and family. You know, some of you in here are guests. And guess what? As a guest, we're just happy you're here. You know, don't help take out the trash. Hang out. A, a guest, you know, picture a home when a guest comes. They don't come in and start cooking. You, you know what I mean? They don't help with the chores. 
a guest will come into the entryway. So that's kind of the picture we have, the front door. As a guest, we want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. Maybe we're the best church family for you. I, I hope so, but maybe we're not. And guess what? That's okay too. And as a guest, there are some things that you can do to see maybe there are the next steps. Uh, and you'll look at those next steps. The first one we have on there, this is brand new, coffee with the pastor. Paul and I are both going to be available now at designated times. I'm going to be Tuesday morning and Tuesday afternoon. Paul's going to be Wednesday morning, boom, at two different uh, coffee shops. If you're a guest and you're like, I have questions or, or I want to be known, because part of what we'll do in that time is find out how we can come alongside you. Like, what are you looking for? What, what's going on in your life? How can God help you? That's one of the things you can do. Uh, attend a discovery dinner. That's where you find out more about us as a church. Faith Basics is a class we do. It's four weeks long that kind of just goes through the basics of the gospel. Uh, but it's not basic. So if you're like, ah, I've been a Christian for 10 years, this is still awesome. Um, or the, the biggest one there would be join a Rooted group. Uh, Rooted is, is awesome. We don't have one until the fall. That's when we do those. But again, all these next steps, you can take them on our app. So go to the app and go to the Let, Let's Connect section and you can do these. Um, or if you want coffee with us, you go see whoever's at the uh, info table. It's Brittany today um, and you can sign up for that. But then what's the next? You're a guest for a while, feeling out, you're like, I kind of like these people. You know, we believe the same thing. The Bible is the word of God. Jesus died. You know what? I, I, well, then you become a friend. And what do friends do? They come through the entryway and they sit on the couch. You know, you watch the football game together and you eat nachos and, uh, you, you know, you hang out. And in friendships, things start to go a little bit deeper. You know, how's your, how's your marriage? How are your kids? You start opening up and sharing and caring about one another and finding opportunities. You know, so as a friend, you know, where would you be? Maybe you're not a guest. You've been here a while and you say, you know what? Common ground is home. This is, if you're going to go to church, this is where you come. You kind of like these people. You're a friend. Is a regular attender. Considers common ground home. And here's the real defining thing of a friend rather than a guest. A friend is starting to serve. You find a serve team, trying out. And that's what we would say, trying out a serve team. Trying out a group. Because we're not stuck. You know, we do groups. We're all about groups. Uh, we just stopped for the summer, but you can do the, uh, the relationship class. They've only met once, not too late. It's Thursday nights. It's awesome. Um, that's a way to start getting connected. Do that. But, but friends get in groups. And again, trying out a serve team. If you want to try out where you fit, you know, spiritual gifts tests are good, but the best thing you can do is try things. And so that's what we want to help you do. If you're a friend, but you're not serving, go to our info table and say, I want to try something. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw you over there for a day. Maybe, unless you're super weird, then we're going to not let you over there. Because um, what we do over there is really important. Um, but, but you can try it out. You try it out with the kids and you go, I love this. And let me just point this out. Men, there's something unique about men over there with the kids. Now, there's, a, there's kids that come over there that don't have dads at home. There's something about a male presence that's a big deal. Men, if you've thought about that, it's a big deal. Consider going over there. Try it out. And it's, you're not committed forever. You just try it once and then we'll talk to you about it. Try out the connections team. You know, hang out with them. See what happens. If you're, if you're not really a people person, guess what? God made you that way. Making coffee is really important. If we don't have coffee made on Sunday morning, this isn't happening. <laughs> coffee is really important. If you're a prayer warrior, our prayer team is meeting at 8.30 every Sunday morning. That's a huge deal. I mean, for God to work, often prayer comes first. So we have all these opportunities. But if you're a friend, 
you know, get involved in a group, get involved in a team. And then here's those next steps. Try an outpost group, try a serve team, and then attend an all-in dinner. Because here's the transition from friend to family. Family's committed. And as, here at, at Common Ground, we do that by an all-in covenant that we look at. And so an all-in dinner is when we'll spend time talking about what does it mean to be committed. And the people who are all-in are part of the family, meaning there's real responsibility there for one another. We show up for one another. We hold each other accountable. We make sure things are working. We're living on mission. You know, and it doesn't end with family. It's not like you hit family, you're like, we've arrived. We continue to grow and carry on the mission and find leadership opportunities if that's what God has made you for. You know, serve opportunities, short-term missions trips. Uh, you know, but use this to look at, and I would ask this question, wherever you are, if you're a guest, why not consider becoming a friend? If you're a friend, consider becoming family. Check out an all-in dinner. Have, have coffee with us. And if, if you're a guest, you're like, I don't want to be a friend. Or you're a friend, and you're like, I don't want to be family here. St come talk to me. There's other good churches in town. We want to help you fit because the church is missing out if you're not where God wants you to be and using it. And this is exciting. Now, we're going to transition to our response time, our worship time. Uh, so worship team, you guys can come up. Um, but I want to point out, you know, this isn't legalism. This is all because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. As we move into our response, uh, we're going to be taking communion. Communion is for believers. So if you have not given your life to Jesus as Lord, just refrain or come see our prayer team in the back uh, and they'll pray with you. You can give your life to Christ today and then take communion. But communion, we are remembering Jesus' death on the cross. We are remembering him raising from the dead. It all, I mean, that song that we were singing before the, the sermon, it's all about the cross. It starts at the cross. And so we remember what Jesus did looking forward to him coming back. So we take the cup remembering his blood. We, we eat the bread remembering his body broken for us on the cross because his death and his resurrection is what gives us life, is what brings us into the family. And it is finished. You know, we talk about this being a member of the family and it can start to feel daunting, but here's kind of the cool thing. It's restful. It, you know, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My way is easy and my yoke is light. And it is. The best place we can be is with him. I want to read to you in Colossians. In Colossians, we see this. It says, Having been buried with him in baptism, that's talking to you believers, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We respond in freedom to what he's done. So as we move to worship, respond the way you want. Come take communion when you're, you're comfortable, the way we do it, you know, come down an aisle, grab it, uh, you know, find a spot in the room to pray and, and take it. Come sit in your seat and, and pray and take it. We have our prayer walls over here. If God is moving in you and you need to give him a prayer request or a praise, write it on a piece of paper, stick it in that wall that has like a direct wire to heaven. Uh, so you do that, God will get it. Um, if you want to stay seated and just pray, stay seated and pray. If you want to stand and raise your hands, that's great too. 
Maybe you're fe feeling the, the, the prompting to take the next steps. Maybe during this worship time, you open up the app and you take some next steps. Maybe during this time, you sneak back and you're the first one to the info table and you sign up for something. But let's respond for God's glory because of what he has done. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your death and your resurrection. Thank you that you said it is finished and that salvation is not by deeds, not by working as part of the family, but it's because of you. And we are saints because of you. We are looked at as holy because of you. We thank you for that. And then we thank you for the opportunity of being part of a family. For some reason, you've chosen to partner with us in ministry. You want to change the world, but you always do it in and through your people. Working with the Holy Spirit and the authority of your word, God, we thank you for that. We want to be used by you. I pray for each of us in this room that we would respond now to you in the way you are leading us. Maybe it's repenting of our sin, saying yes to you for the first time. Maybe it's saying yes to being part of your family, being part of a local church and, and, and trying out a serve team or the relationships class. God, whatever it is, maybe we just get to stand now and sing our praises to you because we love you. And you tell us that our songs, our praises are a fragrant aroma to you. And we want to give you the praise because you deserve it. You're worth it. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.